0: listeners, I'm your host, Jacko's Wetsuit, and today it is Wednesday, June 15th, 2022, and today I'll be speaking with Park Hyung-soo, a woman with a very interesting story uh, and a very moving story about herself and her family, about Koreans in Japan, and about North Korean prison camps. But first, I'd like to remind everyone, please, to leave a review about this podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you use to download it, and share this podcast episode with colleagues and friends and even enemies and people you don't know. On Spotify, you can leave a rating with no reviews, but please do that anyway. And if you're listening on YouTube, please click, like, and subscribe. Secondly, check out nknews.org where you will find all the latest in-depth stories written by the excellent journalists who are my colleagues and friends. Consider buying a subscription for a year. It's much more affordable than you think. In fact, if you sign up for the annual plan, it's less than a dollar a day, and that helps to, as I say, keep my journalists um, fed and clothed. Thirdly, follow us on Twitter. You can find nknews.org, all one word, on Twitter and myself at j-a-c-c-o-z-e-d. Uh, and that is it for the uh, commercial part. Now to talk about today's guest, Park Hyung-soo is a Japan-born and raised Korean citizen called Zainichi in Japan and jail Dongpo or Jael Gyopo in Korea. She now resides in South Korea. Her relatives are among the many thousands of ethnic Koreans who moved from Japan to North Korea between the 1950s and the 1980s. And if you heard my recent interview with Marcus Bell about his research on that group that's recorded in his book, Outsiders, you'll be a little bit familiar with that topic already. If you haven't, you might like to go back and listen to that interview with Marcus Bell first. So to set the context for today's interview a little bit, I want to talk to my colleague, Yifang Bremer, sole correspondent for NK News, who introduced me to Ms. Park's story. Uh, Ifang, you wrote about Park Hyang-soo's story in your June 10 article, Activists fear North Korean human rights issues increasingly met with a shrug. And then you introduced me to her and suggested I interview her. Why was that?
1: Yeah, that's right. I cover mostly human rights and defector issues. And uh, I met Young soo at uh, an NGO event in Seoul. And her story was so compelling and moving to me that I talked to her after uh, the event, and we came to speak about how it's getting more and more difficult to get attention of a wide audience to North Korean uh, human rights issues. So yeah, I thought it would be great to have her on the show and, uh, so that our listeners can listen to her story yeah, told by herself.
0: And is it particularly difficult to get a wider audience interested in South Korea, or are you talking about just anywhere in the world?
1: Um, I think the issue is bigger than just South Korea. Um, um, but particularly in South Korea, NGOs express a, the, the sentiment of, um, yeah, decrease in funding, um, also a de- decrease in attention. Um, that is from the general public. Um, NKDB, one of the NGOs here in Seoul, uh, releases a poll every year on how much attention, and uh, how much interest South Koreans have in North Korean human rights, and you do see a decrease every year. Mm. At the same time, these human rights violations are not getting any better, so that is a real challenge that this community is uh, dealing with.
0: Okay, well, thank you. That's, that's great. That's some good context setting there. I'm going to throw Yifang out of the studio now and welcome hyang to sit in his chair, and we'll continue with the interview. Back in a moment. Park Hyang-soo, thank you very much for coming uh, all the way to the NK News studio today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Could you share with us a little bit about your life story? Uh, where were you born? Uh, where were your parents from? And so on.
2: Okay, my name is Hyang-soo Park. I was born and raised in Kobe, Japan. And I am the third generation Zainichi Korean. Uh, Zainichi means staying in Japan, but it's ordinary means that the permanent long-term residence in Japan. And I am the third generation Zainichi Korean.
0: So your parents were also uh, born in Japan? Yes. Uh, and, and where did your grandparents move from?
2: South Korea, during the Japan's rule uh-huh. period.
0: Do, do you remember the province or the city name?
2: Oh uh, Yes, it's Busan. Ah, for uh, Yes, okay. my grandmother moved to Japan when she was four. Mm-hmm. She said it was 1920s, the okay. late 1920s, yeah. with with her parents and she settled in japan and my family belonged to chongryon if you know yep. it's the general association mm-hmm. of ethnic koreans in japan who support north korea right. yeah. and uh, the reason why we supported chongryon and we all went to the korean school which mm-hmm. is operated and governed it's by the minjok chongryon Hakkyo. yes minjok Hakkyo, but it's more than minjok it's more political. Mm. (laughs) And I was uh, educated there from kindergarten to high school. And the reason why uh, my family belonged to Jongryong was mainly because we had a family in North Korea who returned, repatriated to North Korea during the Paradise on Earth campaign, mm-hmm. uh, which you mentioned before. Yes. Uh-huh.
0: Let's, uh, I want to come back to that later, to your, your sure. family members who moved there. Uh, tell us a bit more about the Minjok schools, the mm-hmm. uh, the, the Chongyun schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've never really discussed that on the podcast. So you, you said that there's a lot of political uh, education there. Tell us some of the the political education that you received at the schools?
2: Okay, I remember that the first time I entered the school, I saw the Kim Il-sung once in Sumida, the signboard. Ah, yes. <laughs> it's the thank you, the great marshal, mm-hmm. uh, Kim Il-sung. And the, the first song I learned at the kindergarten was also the, the propaganda song, which showing, you know, lo- the loyalty to Kim il Song. Kim in yeah. I can still sing the song, you know. I memorized all the, the words. Yeah. And then from the fourth grade of the elementary
0: school... I should, wait, let me interrupt. Um, did you grow up speaking Korean at home, or did you learn it at the school? At the school. Okay, so you grow up... You, you, you spoke Japanese at home. Sure. But mm-hmm. in the school, you began to learn Korean. Yeah. Okay.
2: And my grandmother's... Uh, only mm-hmm. he spoke in Korean. Mainly right. spoke in Korean. Okay. okay. And from fourth grade of the elementary school, they began the ideological education, and there was a subject called revolutionary history, mm-hmm. uh, right. of Kim's family, yep. and we had to memorize all the the word instruction that he you know mentioned, yeah. and the the. Textbook was all red, and there was the special classroom that we had to go uh, during that class. It, the classroom was all uh, different, you right. know. Mm, it was a special room. With was it like ra- a museum? Yes, it's a. R- there is a red carpet, yep. and there is the statue mm-hmm. of Kim Il Sung, and of course there was a portrait of Kim Il Sung yep. and Kim right. Jong Il in the classrooms, and uh, we all we. Also, wear the the or the the red ties of mm. Sonyeondan, That's right. the boys and girls band, just like uh, North Koreans do in North next Korea. Scarf. Yes, neck scarf, and we say that Chunbi always ready mm-hmm. like this <laughs> uh,
0: with the special salute. Uh, yes, yes, forty-five degree mm-hmm. angle salute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes,
2: uh-huh. and that kind of education started uh, in the elementary school, and mm-hmm. it becomes more, you know. It continues until the high school, right? <laughs> and I didn't like that. Yeah. Uh, it was so hard for me to, you know, understand why we have to learn this and memorize the words because we are living, you know, outside school. Yes. It's Japan, right? And and the gap was too big for me. And but I did, don't. Did uh, you
0: say this to your parents? Yes. <laughs> and how did they react?
2: They knew that, you know, mm. but they said can't be helped mm. because, ah. Uh, so I just, you know, have to admit that this is the way that our family have yeah. to adopt. Mm-hmm. But Korean school is, you know, slowly changing these days mm. because, you know, the, the number of students is decreasing yeah. sharply. It's like, you know, when I was there at 80s, there was about 50,000 uh, students. Oh, you know, throughout th-
0: Japan. Yeah, throughout okay.
2: Japan. And there was about 200 schools mm-hmm. in Japan. Mm-hmm, but now alike. it's... Under 60 schools wow. remains, and uh, the number of students is declining. It's like under 5,000, mm-hmm. I've heard.
0: So how many students were in your class together, usually? Was it sort of between 30 and 40? Yeah, or? 30 and 40. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and did you go on, uh, w- with your class, did you make a school trip to North Korea sure. on the ship? Yes. Uh, the, uh, what's it?
2: Yeah, the graduation trip.
0: uh, Yeah, I'm thinking the name of the ship. There's a very famous. Mangyongbong. The Mangyongbong. Yes. Okay, so you made that trip Mm -hmm. uh, from Japan to North Korea to look around Pyongyang and see some other signs. Tell us a a little bit about that trip, Mm -hmm. that school trip. How old were you and and what did you see Mm -hmm. and how did you feel seeing Korea for the first time?
2: Mm -hmm. Okay. The, the before graduating from high school, uh, it was a tradition mm-hmm. of going to the educational trip to yeah. North Korea for Korean school high, stu- high school students and um, it's like two weeks, ten days or two weeks, mm-hmm. you know, schedule and we had to go to the Niigata port, Niigata, Niigata, yeah. the uh, northern part of Japan yeah. and the first time, I, I went to North Korea twice and the first time At a graduation trip, that was the Samjiyon-ho. It's the older one before mangyong ho ferry. And Samjiyon, I rode Samjiyon ferry and Mm -hmm. went to North Korea. And it was my first time, of course, uh, to go to the fatherland. The school taught me it's our fatherland.
0: (laughs) And Even though your grandparents came from Busan, they'd never been to North Korea.
2: uh, I have to... Tell you about my grandparents' story too, because I have two grandmothers. Mm-hmm. My grandmother on father's side yep. hate Korean school ah. and hate North Korea, ah. uh, because she experienced Korean War in Busan. She once returned to South Korea, Busan, oh. her hometown, yep. after the World War Two oh. in 1945 with my dad.
3: Right, And wow. she
2: stayed in Busan yep. for eight years, eight and years. she witnessed yep. the brutality of uh-huh. communists. Wow. That's what she said. So she always said, they are red, mm-hmm. they are communists, mm-hmm. they are evil, and they could do everything for ideology. Right. So she was scared of, you know, the red People. She mm-hmm. said always, 빨갱이 is mosopta. Mm. Oh, you know, scary Palgengi. Right. And then she didn't like us, uh, you know, going to Korean school, but there was no way because my dad was working for ba- a bank affiliated with Chongbian. Uh-huh. Uh, that's the only way he could make a living. There was not, you know, but the variety of jobs that Chinese Koreans could get in Japan during mm. that period. So Oh, it's so complicated, but my grandmother, on mother's side...
0: Was your father ideological? Did he have a feeling about, Mm -hmm. a a good or bad feeling about North Korea?
2: He wanted to trust North Korea, Uh Uh, because that's where he belongs to, and... 80% 80% of Zainichi Korean used to belong to Jongryong. Right. It was so strong. And the socialist ideology was more supported, even in Japan, yep. the media and everything at that point. And mm. the, the image toward South Korea was so negative. Yep. It's always, you know, the turmoils, the, the demonstration by mm-hmm. students and uprising and you know, massacres and everything. And Military we, dictatorship, yes, fascism. Mm-hmm. We learned that it's the puppet regime mm. of the United States. Right. And, you know, so it was so negative. So we all wanted to trust the, the promising socialist fatherland yeah. of the North Korea. So my father tried to trust, you know, and his cousins and his close friends mm-hmm. all went to North Korea during the Paradise of, you know, the campaign, during that campaign. That's
0: the uh, the period from the 1950s to the 1980s yeah. when many thousands of uh, Zainichi um, moved to North yeah. Korea.
2: And he even wanted to go.
0: Your father wanted to go? Yes. Uh, why, they, why did he not go?
2: Right after marriage with my mom, yep. my parents, that was 1967. And after participating at our parents' wedding, my uncle, which is my mom's brother, yep. left for North Korea. At ah, the age of 17. 17, okay. okay. Alone, yeah, oh. uh, chasing his girlfriend. Wow. Okay. And they were, you know, they were going to go, you know, after him. They were, you know, they really wanted to go to North Korea. But my grandmother on father's side, you know, she went through the Korean world that yeah. I told you before. That She said, uh, kill me if you want to go wow. t- to return to North Korea. You have to kill me. Mm-hmm. So she was, you know, she opposed to that. So they gave up. And my mother was pregnant right after the marriage. Mm -hmm. So she said she gave up. And then, you know, she... uh, Received, you know, all the letters and you know rumors from North Korea that it's a terrible day.
0: So your your uncle, he wrote letters back yes, to yes. Japan. Mm-hmm. What could he say in those letters? We, we I heard from uh, Marcus Bell when I interviewed him that it was very difficult to be honest in those letters. So what what could he say?
2: It is all monitored and censored, mm-hmm. so he could not write the honest feeling. But the first letter he said. Please send me a hot air balloon, hmm. and that made my mom cry. She hmm. said it implies that he really wanted to go back to home, even resort to a balloon. And,
0: and that, w- how long after he moved to North Korea did he write that letter?
2: I've heard it's a year later, okay. so or so. Quite something. quickly, mm-hmm. Then. Mm-hmm. Wow. and we often received a letter. You know, it was so he specific. often wrote. And he and my father's friends Mm -hmm. and cousins, you know, mostly asking for help.
0: Financial help? Yes. So please send money or please send goods?
2: Goods, clothing, Mm -hmm. you know, commodities, sometimes medicines. We even sent them um, cars, the used car, bicycle, piano, guitars, everything. You know, the raincoats, I remember, (laughs) you know.
0: So your, your father worked for a bank, for a, a bank which was affiliated with the, the Chongyun. Mm-hmm. Does that mean he had some political connection, some power? Was he able to do something to help his, brother, uh, his brother-in-law?
2: Yes, because he had a chance to visit North Korea quite often. He, ah. he did. So your father
0: was one of, one of those regular Chongyun visitors to North yes. Korea. Yes, mm-hmm. right.
2: and he tried to invest on North Korea. That mm-hmm. It's it's mining development, yep. something, you know. So he collected money from Zainichi rich people, yep. and then he tried to invest on North Korea. But he, was, he gave up, you know, in the middle because he, he told me that you know, it's, it's like throwing away the money,
3: mm.
2: investing on North Korea, because the high ranking officials in yeah. North Korea, they are only interested in their, the you know, their self-interest, you know, and, and it was so different that, you know, he dreamed of yeah. and uh, he made a business trip to north korea uh, twice or three times uh, via china uh, mm. by airplane and he he said he met a secretary or something of kim jong-il mm-hmm. yeah or something like that and he visited the the, the mining near Kumgangsan, sang yes. uh, and he said he was so sad looking at you know the the young girls mm-hmm. digging Without any equipment, you know, by bare hands, oh. and he he saw his, he them them eating some obento, that the uh, Toshira that the lunch, lunch box. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, it didn't seem like a food. You know, it was terrible. Mm. You know, everything was terrible, and he thought uh, he was making a big mistake, so he stopped. That's how he quit. The organization, the Chongryon. So,
0: this is what your father saw. Yeah. And he, he stopped, not, he, he quit his job and he left the organization, mm-hmm. his political home for many years. He left it. He
2: decided to leave wow. after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: That must have been quite uh, a, a painful moment for him, mm-hmm. I suppose.
2: Yeah, and he started to run a pachinko parlor.
0: Ah, <laughs> have you read the book? Of course. In, I'm... in, in Korean translation? Uh,
2: no, oh, yes, in Korean. Yeah. And I also have an English book of uh-huh. Min Jin Lee's pachinko. Yeah. And I also watched the drama. You've watched the drama too? Yes, okay. Okay.
0: it was... Do, do, what, oh, tell us how you felt about it. What's your feeling, your comment?
2: I feel, you know... Uh, first of all I feel very thankful mm-hmm. you know to Min Jin Lee. Yeah. It's great, great work, yeah. you know, she has done. She's even you know, she doesn't speak in uh, no, no Japanese mm-hmm. or even Korean, but she did all the researches, you know, she, she says she took it took her like you know seven t- years or many, yeah, years. many, yeah. many years. Yeah, many, many years. And Oh, and I was uh, so happy that you know I don't have to explain what mm. Zainichi is, right. you know, to the people. You know, now many people know what Zainichi is, the yep. minority group, the Korean group now, and and uh, the Sonja, the the mm, main character, the main character. It that's you know that that's like my grandmother's yeah. story yep. and. I could feel the sympathy to the Solomon mm-hmm. uh, because he didn't like the pachinko parlor right. that his father was running. And yep. that's how I felt about my father.
0: Right, because you're a third generation yes. also. And your father, mm-hmm. he, he quit. What in, in many, I guess in Chongyun society, your father had a good job, right? Mm-hmm. He worked for a bank. Yes. And he quit that to run a pachinko parlor. That would be seen by many as a step down.
2: Step down. But we became richer.
0: Uh, after running yeah.
2: pachinko, but I thought, you know, the pachinko industry is yeah. a dark side of mm-hmm. the Japanese society. And I was not proud of, mm. you know, that kind of business because it's related with Yakuza yeah. and everything. And, you know, when I meet my Japanese friend at uh, university, I went to the Japanese circle after... Graduating from Korean high school, ah. I went to Hawaii to study uh, ah. English, and I went to the Japanese university. And which I, was
0: only possible because your father had made this money through the pachinko parlor.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, partly <laughs> we we are rich enough, you mm. know. Um, we could he could afford, right. yeah, our education. And yeah. I was sometimes it was a shame for me to say my father is running a pachinko parlor yeah. to Japanese friend. Yeah. I yeah. tried to hide that. So
0: what percentage I I don't expect you have the answer for this but are most pachinko parlors in Japan run by Zainichi Koreans? Yes. 90% I mean any idea is it almost all of them.
2: Ah, uh, I don't know accurate yeah. okay. you know okay.
0: mm-hmm. but, but most Chong-
2: of them even Chongryon yeah. by organization they are running pachinko parlors too. Right.
0: Well I di- you know when I was in uh, North Korea last time in 2019 mm-hmm. uh, we went in Pyongyang to a I forget the name of the place, but it's a, a place where you can uh, pay money and receive a gun and shoot some bullets. You know, It's oh. a shooting range. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's a special name for it. And you can shoot at a target, or you can go outside and you can shoot at a pheasant, and then you can eat the pheasant. Oh. Uh, and in that building, there are also some other amusements. And in, in one room, they, they call it the pachinko room, and they have some machines in there. Maybe these are machines from Japan. I don't know, but they are. They sure. Call, they use the word pachinko, and they have the same kind of machines there.
2: Yeah, that's from Japan.
0: And in the, the also there's a bowling lane uh, in Pyongyang, and that bowling lane also has one floor which is all pachinko machines. And I saw men playing the game with the little balls there, so I thought, ah, oh, they, they do have them from yeah. Japan. So there is a a, a connection there.
2: Of course, yeah. it, the connection is so strong. You know, there was always a big donation mm-hmm. to. The fatherland. Right. So every worker uh, under the Chongryon yep. enterprises, the, every employee had to, you know, donate the mm-hmm. money to North Korea from their salary. Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, uh, there is also uh, a Chongryon University in yeah. Japan. I think it's in Pyongyang.
2: That's it's in Tokyo. Th-
0: uh, to- in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. i got my capitals confused there. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. Yes, in, in Tokyo. Uh, is it Koryo University or? Choson University Choson, Choson, Dayakgyu. Choson Dayakgyu, yeah. yeah My and mom was there Ah your mom went there mm-hmm. So you did not go there why was that
2: Oh, I really didn't want to go there. I tried to escape Ah. because my teacher really, you know, persuaded me to go there. Uh, At high school? Yes, Ah. because I was one of the elite students at Korean High School. There is a special program for elite students.
0: When you say elite, is that because your grades were better than other students or because your father worked for the Chongyun or...? Both. Okay. Uh
2: And I was like, um, you know, the 모범생. Yep,
0: a a model student.
2: Yes, yes, I could not, you know... Do the bad thing, and I was always obedient uh-huh. to the teacher. Right, and there was a special course. It's like a secret course. The, the ordinary students don't know what we are doing. They call it haksepan. It's a study group. Okay, um, study group. It's the cl- uh, selected yes. elite students, and we had to stay overnight at school once uh-huh. a month. Wow, and have a special ideological education, and. We were taught that we should be the elite to, you know, protect the the Chongryon community yeah. in Japan and contribute for our fatherland, mm. and that kind of education was so hard for me mm. to accept. So, when I was the the second uh the second year of the high school, I started to think about maybe I want to get out of this mm. community, yep. and I. Started to dream of going to United States to mm. <laughs> learn English and.
0: But the United States is the enemy. Yeah, you we were told.
2: Yeah, we were told enemy, but I knew they're not enemy because you know outside school there are so many information that mm. I can you know search and my parents were also you know supported me they were supportive huh. you know because my mom went to uh Chosong Chosong yeah. and she dropped out uh, well, she dropped out yes why th- the first year she said she was Mentally sick. Wow! Because every morning she had to run the ground, shouting "Manse" Ah. to Kim Il Sung or "Choguk Tongil" reunification for Korea, or all the ideological education. Uh, She was going crazy. She Mm. said, "And it's all, you know, dormitory. Dormitory. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they can't go home. Even you know, their house was near the school. They have to live in the dormitory, and it was so hard for her and." She dropped out.
0: Now, I'm fascinated by this because the, the Chongyun is kind of like a, a society within a society, right? You've got Japan, 120 million people, or whatever the number is, uh, and then 50,000, 80,000 uh, Chongyun in there uh, with their own schools, their own university. What kind of job was this university preparing students for? What, what could graduates of Choson Teakyo do in Japan?
2: Enterprises affiliated with Chongryon or school teachers of Korean schools. Yeah, my friend became teachers a lot, you know, after graduation or the bank. They have a bank. Uh
3: Right. Uh,
0: So, but quite limited then. You've really got a a number of specific mm -hmm. uh, career paths that are possible, but there's not not many choices possible.
2: But there are numerous organizations under Ah. Chongryon, like travel agency Ah. or Marriage consultant, okay. Legal support or art company. Uh-huh. They even have a newspaper company.
0: Right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh-huh. What about uh, medicine? Doctor, nurses. Yeah.
2: There is a the hospital. Oh, I see. Uh, under Chungyeon.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's uh, interesting. I didn't know that.
2: Insurance company too. It's all you know. The inner circle is so it's circulation. Right.
0: <laughs> mm. So to go back to so there you are you're at high school you're an elite student you're being prepared to go to Chosun daekyo you're you're in these uh, secret monthly education sessions did you also have to do uh, self criticism the the Chonghua every every week Yeah
2: chonghwa yeah You have
0: to write about your mistakes and or criticize somebody, somebody who
2: spoke Japanese ah, or But
0: everybody spoke Japanese
2: uh, But you know officially uh-huh. at school we had only You have to speak only in Korean, I see. but strange Korean because teacher never learned Korean in Korea. They ah. only learned Korean in Japan. Right. So that their Korean language yeah. is so different from both, you know, South Korea. But surely North
0: they're they're reading books from North Korea. They're watching videos from North Korea. Mm-hmm. Was it really so different? It's different. Ah. You know,
2: it's we we call it a, zainichi, a hango- zainichi word. Right. Uh, it's different. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: There's also something that I'm uh, curious about. the uh, ten great principles for establishing a monolithic leadership, something, something it's a very long name. the the ship they want Chick. Did you also have to memorize these yes. uh, in, in Japan? Yes.
2: There was even a competition sometimes. Hmm. We, we have to memorize. And and then the teacher or the, the, the students leader, that yep. was me, uh-huh. <laughs> check, you know, who uh, memorized faster than others and something like that. But I don't know these days Korean Schools are changing yeah. to get a fund from Japanese, the regional, you know, the the taxes. I don't know that there should be. The Japanese government stopped funding Korean school mostly. Ah. So, uh, and parents and students uh, want uh, to change the, the content of the education. So they are slowly changing, I've heard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, the ideological education starts only from high school these oh. days.
0: Oh, that is quite different, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I read years ago, and uh, I mean more than 10 years ago, that they even uh, removed the portraits of Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il from the classrooms. Did you hear that? Oh. That they took down the, uh, the, the, the portraits uh, of Kim and Kim the father and Kim the son.
2: From elementary school and junior high school, they took it away. Uh, but high school, high school they, they still have. Right. And My uh, relatives in Japan recently graduated from Korean junior high Uh and he decided to go to the local Japanese school and he's now so happy.
3: Happy. And I
2: asked him, why are you so happy? And he said, oh, he's free from strange ideological Mm. education and he doesn't have to wear the red ties. So, you know, there still remains that kind of education.
0: So you, you're still in contact with your, fami- your relatives in Japan?
2: Sure. Uh, I, my families are all in Japan. I okay. don't have my family here. Ah. Uh, my husband's family. I only have my husband's family. Right. Here.
0: Mm. Um, so I, I want to go back to the story of your uncle mm-hmm. uh, who moved uh, as a 17-year-old to North Korea. Where did he settle? Which city did he go to live in? Wonsan. He went to Wonsan, yeah. which is on the east coast of North Korea. The major city in the province of Kangwon province. Yes,
2: and where we arrive, you know.
0: Ah, so the, the ferry from Niigata always stops at Wonsan. Oh, for some reason I thought it would go to Chongjin, but it goes to Wonsan, does it? Yes, okay. so
2: I always could find them. Ah. from the deck of the Mangyumbong, uh-huh. and I immediately found them. Uh, even f- when I first went to North Korea, I could find my cousins uh-huh. because they were wearing the clothes that I used to wear. Ah, uh, Right, they are uh,
0: wearing your hand-me-downs. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, before we get into more detail about your uncle and his family, you have, as you said, you still have all your family in Japan today. Mm-hmm. Some of them still go to the Minjok Hakkyo. Mm-hmm. After what happened to your uncle, how is that possible? How uh, does, does that make? Uh, is there some tension in the family?
2: Um, it's my sister, my younger sister's uh, husband. Family, uh, they somehow related to Chongliang still. They were working the at the enterprises affiliated with Chongliang. So right. uh, her mother-in-law wanted. To send them to Korean school, but uh, my sister actually didn't want to, so she decided to quit. Mm. You know, mm.
0: quit the Chongyun
2: Yes, quit the Cheongyeon, and almost, the stopped sending her kids yes. to Korean school. And from this year, mm. Mm. and she says she's so happy with that. And most people who send their kids to Korean school, yeah. maybe partly because of the the personal relationships within the community yeah. or it's, you know, it's the way they make a living. They are working mm. under the, the enterprises affiliated with Chongdian. or they really ideologically support North Korea. I think there are three groups of people who still send their kids to Korean school. Yeah. And some people say that it's pure, the ethnic education, yeah. but We all know it's not.
3: Mm.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, so let's go back to to your uncle and his family. Mm -hmm. Uh, So um, you went to visit them uh, a few times. Yes. Uh, When was the last time that you saw them?
2: That was the second trip in 1996 when I took a trip with my mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was two weeks schedule, all the the business-related people under Mm Chongdian, and we applied for that trip because my mom wanted to see her brother yeah. and my father was going to go with her mm. not me but my father said oh he never wanted to go to North Korea he never want to be related to North Korea uh, he want to forget about it
0: he had seen enough uh, mm-hmm.
2: that's why I uh, you know suddenly yeah. uh, my mom asked me to go with her and the first trip oh, when I was a high school yeah. uh, I slept overnight at their home uh-huh. in Wonsan. Oh. It was allowed. It was allowed, yeah. Uh-huh. And they looked okay, mm-hmm. even though they didn't look happy. Yeah. And it seemed to me that, you know, they are tolerating mm-hmm. the life, there. especially my uncle. My uncle seemed to me that he is tolerating, he's enduring the mm-hmm. society because he said he knew the taste of freedom, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. until... The teenagers at the age of seventeen, he yep. was in Kobe, Japan. Yep. He was enjoying hamburgers, mm. steaks, hot bath, mm-hmm. and the music, and, and you know everything. And suddenly he lost everything. Um, so, did uh,
0: did he marry the girl that he followed to North Korea? No,
2: he never met her oh. because it was impossible in North Korea to find someone. Mm. He doesn't know where she lives oh. and. It's not allowed to move around, right. and if you are assigned in one son, mm-hmm. you have to stay in one son. Right. So,
0: so he was assigned to one son. He married a, a woman yes, there. Yes, yes. Was she uh, a local?
2: No, 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 no. They never married with local people mm-hmm. because their culture is so different. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got married to a woman uh, who returned to. North Korea alone, like just like him, yeah. at the age of seventeen, oh, wow. she was from Tokyo. Yeah. Uh, she was also from Korean high school in mm-hmm. Tokyo, ah. and the similar situation. Uh, yeah. He got married, and he had three children. My cousins, mm-hmm. three cousins at my age. Ah. And um, first time I went there, uh, it was okay. Um, they didn't look happy, but they are you know, richer than other local people because we supported them, money and everything. And they even drove a car. Mm. They drove me around in Wonsan City. And they said it's, they are, you know, they said they are, they feel special because they have relatives in Japan. And that's why they can stand, they can endure the life there. And it was a very important pipe for them, Mm. you know, of having us, that's what I felt as a you know high school student. Oh, you know, and they envy of me.
0: They envied you. Yes. Right.
2: Uh-huh. I talked with them throughout the night. Mm-hmm. I slept uh with the cousin, with my cousin, the the youngest girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was eleven years old at the first time I went there, and I talked to her a lot oh, throughout what, the what night. What year was this? Nineteen
3: ninety, oh, the first time okay, I yep. went there,
2: and uh, she said uh, she is dreaming someday of going to Japan. Mm. And uh, I don't know, but the first visit was okay. They're okay. They were, you know, the family was all fine and okay, and they have everything that we sent. And but the second time, mm-hmm. in, this is nineteen ninety six. Yes, okay. uh, the right after we arrived at Wonsan we noticed something had happened to them. Because uh, at One Wonsan Port, uh, my uncle was not there. There was only three cousins and his wife mm-hmm. was there and they look so sad. Mm-hmm. And my mom and I realized oh, something had happened to them. And I asked them right after we, we deported, we asked them that, where's uncle? Yeah. Oh. And then they didn't answer. They just said nothing. We are not allowed to talk to them, you know. We all had to go to Pyongyang first.
0: Without them or with we, them? Without them. Okay. Uh,
2: it's all scheduled, mm. you know. That kind of group tour, all scheduled. to. We, they drag us around yep. all the historical yep. sites and statues. Around and today. we have to yeah yep. bow and everything. And we had to wait to see them until the last day of the schedule we are allowed mm. only to see them to the, the final day of
3: departure mm.
2: only a couple of hours you know on the day of departure and oh that was terrible my mom gave so much money to the watchman yeah. uh, and asked him to find her brother where is he and He just said, oh, he went on a business trip, and Mm. he's busy, so just wait. And we waited until the last day of the trip. And on the last day, uh, we only had three hours or something, and we gave bribe again, and then...
0: To the minder, the government guide. uh Because
2: we wanted wanted to talk by ourselves. Uh, So we were allowed to go their home Mm. in Wonsan, and Ah. we went their home, and... They all started to cry right after we arrived at their home. It was all tears, and and they said, oh, their father disappeared a couple of months ago. Disappeared. Disappeared, and and they are under a threat also. They're scared.
0: So they didn't know where he was. He hadn't been arrested. There was no report from the public security agency or anything like that?
2: They just said secret police
0: Ah. took
2: him away and
0: that's the poibu, the
2: boo yeah and it, it they also said it's like geshu tapo
0: ah the the, the uh-huh. german Gestapo. yes yeah. yes
2: tapo and they all cried and we we ha- we didn't know you know what to do and so my mom wanted to make them eat something mm-hmm. the meat the yeah. bulgogi or something i right. remember we took them to bulgogi restaurant uh-huh. and my mom encouraged them we're gonna come back soon so don't worry, just stay alive, mm. and, and that,
0: that's where the photograph was taken. That's mm-hmm. in Ifung's story that came out. There. Ah,
2: that's the the photograph. That was in 1990 oh, when sorry. I was in high school. Ah. I was wearing the chogori, the ah, uniform. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, and um, my mom gave them all the money she had, yeah. the Japanese yen, and just said, you know, stay alive. Mm-hmm. We're gonna come back soon, and we'll find out the way. You know, we can help you, but. You know, that's the last time I saw them.
0: Mm. And did you ever hear any any news in Japan about what happened? Did you ever get any more letters or any rumors from other people in Japan? No. No, no.
2: letters anymore. No phone calls. Mm-hmm. And
0: The Chongyun was not helpful?
2: No. And Chongyun even did not allow us to visit North Korea after that. Mm. We are, you know, declined our request. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to get... Allowance from Chongryon right. if you want to visit North Korea, but they didn't give us uh, admittance. So
0: it's like an, an unofficial embassy. Yes. and they have to give you a, something like a visa, mm-hmm. and if they don't give it, you can't go. Mm. Right.
2: So it's been, you know, the years and mm. years. There was no contact at all.
0: Yeah. So uh, twenty-six years now since you saw um, your cousins. Mm-hmm. What have you heard since coming to South Korea about your uncle?
2: Okay, after marrying two South Korean men, I started to live in South Korea from 1999. And I kind of wanted to forget about my relatives in North Korea because when I got married to this man, uh, my relatives in Japan, especially on my mother's side relatives Mm -hmm. who who were more uh, supportive, pro-North Korean relatives all opposed to my marriage because um, my marriage to South Korea may harm them mm. in North Korea, you know and that was so hard for me and I kind of wanted to forget about everything and start a new life yeah, here yeah, and yeah, yeah. I also wanted to be an um, ordinary South Korean citizen mm. I was kind of tired of being Zainichi too because it's so many stories, so many burdens, so yep. many ideology, mm-hmm. nations, and networks, and yep. I was tired of it. So I wanted to be an ordinary South Korean citizen, but right. I could not. <laughs> and I, oh, in 2017, it was five years ago, mm-hmm. I met um South Korean defector. Uh,
0: a North Korean defector. Uh, yes, yes North in Korea, South and, uh, Korea.
2: Yeah, in South Korea. Right. I met a North Korean defector on YouTube, YouTube show. Oh. He wanted to hear my story. So I went on that show and tell him about my relatives in North Korea. And I have no idea whether they're alive or not. Yeah. And after that show... I got an email from a North Korean defector who is living in Japan, mm. Mr. Kim. And he said he is a closest friend. Is he
0: living in Japan because he has Zainichi origins? Yes. Or he- ah. Mm. So, because the the recent interview I did with Marcus Bell was about the Zainichis who moved to North Korea and then came back to South Korea many years later, or sometimes their children came to Japan many years later. I should say not to South Korea, to Japan uh, so you, so Mr. Kim was one of those people who yeah. went back to Japan because he felt more comfortable in Japan. Maybe mm-hmm. he felt th- there was more cultural connection with Japan yeah. than South Korea.
2: Yeah, because he went to North Korea when he was 18 or ah, something, yep. and he has no one here in South Korea. You yep. know, the no relatives. So she, he decided to go to Japan, and Japan allows that. You know, the returnees of the Paradise on Earth program. The Japanese government accept them mm. um, as a the refugee. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are about 200 North Korean defectors now living in Japan. Right. And Mr. Kim is one of them. And he called me and he said he is the closest friend of my uncle.
0: So he lived in Wonsan and he knew your uncle from Wonsan? Yes, okay. and he
2: knew everything mm. about my uncle, what happened to him.
0: When did Mr. Kim leave North Korea to go to Japan? Uh,
2: He said uh, around 2000 or something. Uh, He was so lucky, you know, he was successful escaping. Mm. Mm. And I fly to Japan to meet him. And he told me what happened to my uncle's family. Mm. And he said, in the beginning of 1996, uh, during the New Year's holiday, uh, my uncle received a phone call from. Another big uncle from Japan, mm-hmm. they regularly talked ah. once or twice in a ear.
0: So another brother of your mother. Yes, okay. yes, in Japan. Right. Uh,
2: and uh, my big uncle in Japan said that Romanian government was thrown away by the people of Romania. Mm. And, you know, the socialist communist is almost close to end. So North Korea is almost... Close to end. So right. just endure a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's going to end soon. That's what he said. And all the people, uh, he was with his friends, all the returnees from Japan. They were drinking and having a dinner together mm-hmm. or something. And they were all frozen because international phone calls are all wiretapped. Mm. And listening to that kind of statement is a crime in north korea ah. and a few days le- the mr kim was also there ah. uh-huh. and everybody at that room was yep. all taken right. away arrested mm-hmm. by the secret police yep. and they are interrogated investigated and then mr kim said when they interrogate they torture they beat mm-hmm. people and they force Everybody to say everything yep. they have discussed in the past, you know, and if you say something you may be relieved. And one one of their friends said my uncle said that one day he said he wanted to shoot Kim Jong-il if he had a machine gun or mm. something like that when he was drunk. That's why he was not discharged. And he also had a phone calls from yep. you know, Japan. And his charge became more serious. Then my uncle was tortured and beaten to death during the investigation. So Mr. Kim told me that he was already dead when I was in North Korea Mm. in the summer.
0: Of 96. Yes, yes.
2: mm -hmm, That's what he told me. And he also witnessed what happened to the remaining family. Mm. He said... This is your your
0: cousins and your aunt. Yes. Right.
2: Right. In the end of 1996, uh, the remaining family were all taken away. It was the early morning of the very cold winter morning. Mm -hmm. They were taken away to somewhere. And everybody knows that, oh, they were taken to the political prison camp. And it's, yeah, that's what Mr. Kim told me. Right. And then the next year, that was...
0: But Did you believe him immediately?
2: Yes. Because his his story was so concrete, mm-hmm. and he knew everything about my uncle, mm-hmm. and even about us, you know, uh, because my uncle told about us, right. and he saw he even saw us when I was in Wonsan. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, he was there, yep. and he tried to find us right after he arrived in Japan, mm-hmm. but he had no, you know, phone numbers right. and everything. And he just, by chance, he watched the YouTube show. Ah. That was, you know, me yep. the talking about the Wonsan relatives. And, right. the you know, I look very similar to my cousins mm. in North Korea. So he immediately noticed yep. that it was me, right. you know, its relatives. And he was so happy that he found me. And
0: just I'm, I'm going to interrupt with a question in general what do Zainichi Koreans believe about uh, prison camps in North Korea what do they know and what do they believe
2: they knew that you know prison camps existed because we heard so many rumors that somebody is taken away to the deep mountain mm-hmm. deep mountain means the prison camp right. or, or you know the jail sometimes but very early, the stage of the, the Paradise on, Ca- on Campaign, Paradise mm-hmm. on Earth campaign, yep. we knew that there is somewhere, you know, if they make a mistake, they're going to take mm-hmm. you away somewhere else in the deep mountain. And we knew that's the, the prison camp. Yeah. And it's so hard to get out of that place once, you know, jailed. And yeah, they knew that.
0: So were you able to find out more about uh, what happened to your cousins and your aunt?
2: Yes. Uh, the next year, that well, was 2018, yeah. after I met Mr. Kim, mm-hmm. I got another phone call from North Korean defector who is living in South Korea. Mm. And she said uh, she knows uh, her friend stayed in the same residential area at Yodok, Oh, camp. That's number fifteen mm. pr- prison camp. It's uh, one of
0: the most famous camps yes, in North Korea.
2: For eight years, they stayed together. Her friend was there, uh, living almost in the same house oh. with my auntie and the the daughter cousin. Mm-hmm. Because the men and women are all separated, so she knows about my auntie and my daughter cousin. They spent together for eight years at the. Prison camp.
3: Wow.
2: Uh, that's what she said. And uh, this woman now, who is now living in Seoul, yeah. she also knows my uncle's family. And her friend was with them in the camp, she okay. said. And her friend, I would say Mr. Lee, she was relieved so luckily from prison camp in 2005. Oh, she was released? Yes, released. Uh, why? F- why? Good behavior? or her... Relative yeah. has such a big power in Chongyuan, oh. and he was so rich that he was running a pachinko parlor. Yeah. Her brother in Japan uh-huh. was running a pachinko parlor, and right. he paid five hundred million won per person.
0: So, and how many people were in his family were in, in yodok?
2: five. He's, so she, that's 25. No, no, no but t- only female could be released.
0: Oh, I see. Men,
2: never relieved. Even you, you know, you pay yeah. more money, right. but it's impossible, ah. you know. And she said only female right. uh, prisoners were relieved okay. after paying so much money and they are still living in Wonsan, she said. And
0: Oh. So, but how did they get how did their, st- their story about your um, relatives get out then? If they're still living in North Korea?
2: Mm. Before this woman in Seoul uh. escaped from North Korea, she met this woman in Wonsan, okay. she said. And and then she heard about my auntie's and my cousin daughter's story. And when they released, when they were released in 2005, mm-hmm. This woman said, "My auntie and my cousins are almost, you know, severely malnourished. Malnourished, malnourished, yeah. and mm-hmm. they are all skins and bones. Yeah. So there is no hope that they are still alive." Ah. She said, mm, "That's what I heard. Um, so it was. It became very clear that you know, oh, they are obviously arrested in." end of 1996 and they all taken away to mm-hmm. the yodok camp and then after that i found this book this is by the the nkdb oh, the okay. database center and right. i went there so as I, a,
0: it looks like it's in japanese language yeah
2: they published in japanese oh, okay. uh, it's uh, the the personal list of oh, okay. the prisoners of the the political prison camp in north korea mm-hmm. and I just went this office by chance as an interpreter of a group of people from Japan who is right. investigating North Korean human rights issues. Yeah. And I was there as an interpreter. Mm-hmm. And they gave me this book because yep. um, it's, it's written in Japanese. In Japanese yeah. And I was looking at this like this, and I found out my uncle's name. Wow! Uh, here's my uncle's name. Well, let's have a look. And he was arrested in 1996, and their families are all in Yodok.
0: Okay. Now, I don't read Japanese very well, so I can see 1996 is yeah. his, so that's the year of his arrest. Mm-hmm. What, what other information uh, is given here?
2: Uh, there's the name of my uncle, mm-hmm. and the, the year they are, were arrested, yep. 1996, and the reason unknown, it said, and all the families were there.
0: So, the name of his wife and his three no children? Name, no. no name, oh, just no his name. No name. says wife and uh-huh. three children. Okay. Yeah.
2: And I asked the staff of the NKTV, yeah. how did you find out this information? Right. And they said they interviewed every North Korean defector at Hanawan. Uh, uh, they were allowed to interview. Yeah. Uh, but it was not allowed now. No,
3: uh-huh. that's right. Yeah.
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. So, they interviewed so many North Korean defectors in the early 2000s, yeah. and they made this book.
0: So they made a list for that uh-huh. book. okay.
2: So I don't know who testified mm-hmm. about my family.
0: Could it be the, the same woman who now lives in Seoul?
2: Maybe, uh, yes, but she doesn't remember. Ah. You know, if it's her, you know, mm-hmm. who testified about my family.
0: So, so it's possible I mean at the very least you have heard now from two different sources mm-hmm. two independent sources is that your uncle mm-hmm. is dead and that your aunt and cousins went to the Yodok camp number 15 uh and possibly this could be a third independent source so you have multiple sources now so how sure are you that it's true
2: I am sure I it's obvious they were there you know and there is no contact at all since 1996. It's, it's the end, you know. They don't exist mm. after that. Mm.
0: Now, how do South Korean people react when you tell your story?
2: Um, South Korean people, uh, overall, South Korean people, they're, including my husband, mm-hmm. they're not so interested in the human rights issues in North Korea. They are too busy mm. in this competitive society. Everything goes so competitive here in South Korea and there, you know that, you know, South Korean people are not interested in even, you know, that North Korea launched a missile or nuclear weapon. They're not interested. Oh, they're doing that again. And
0: So do you think that the the root of the problem is that South Korean people are just too busy? They don't have any... Uh, time or space to think about North Korea.
2: And it's been too long. It's Mm -hmm. been 70 years. Mm -hmm. You know, they're divided and nothing has changed at all. So they're fed up with this kind of issue, Mm. maybe. And they think it's a burden. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a big burden financially or um, emotionally to have, you know, North Korea nearby, you know, as a neighbor. And... Even though they, you know, emphasize we are in the same race, ethnically, you know, same, the blood or something, they are getting, you know, tired of it.
0: Mm. Could it also be part of the problem, the fact that the South Korean government has, in the past, uh, sometimes used stories of defectors and also like of your family members as a tool or even a weapon to achieve South Korean ends?
2: Uh, I beg your pardon. Mm,
0: uh, so the South Korean government, uh, not so much now, but in the past, has uh, used stories about oh, no, life is terrible in North Korea, human rights are terrible in North Korea, as a way to to score some ideological points or to uh, to make an ideological victory against mm-hmm. North Korea. Yes,
2: yeah, some people say that. Some people say that, and they think the testimony of North Korean defectors are not true. They are exaggerating. Mm. Uh, some people try to not believe. Everything they say, you know, like, for example, there are so many TV shows mm-hmm. of North Korean defectors. They are testifying what they've gone through in North Korea, but um, some South Korean people don't trust them. They are exaggerating. Mm-hmm. They are just making stories for money.
0: Mm-hmm. And let's, let's be honest here. It, it, not everybody is 100% truthful in life. Mm-hmm. even for not just north koreans just yeah. in the world mm-hmm. nobody's truthful 100 percent of the time and it, it's not helpful when sometimes there are people who tell stories which are not true right i mean just as an example a very famous book that was published many years ago called the escape from camp 14 not 15 but 14 this is the story of shin, 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 shin dong Don yeah uh, the book was written by blaine harden who was a a famous, is a famous American uh, journalist. And a few years after that book was published, some things came out that made it look like not everything Shin Dong Hyok said was true in that book. Mm-hmm. How do we deal with it? How do we know what's true and what's not true? And, and should people still believe North Korean uh, defectors' testimony?
3: Oh,
2: you have to keep, you know, speaking out. You mm-hmm. know, it's obviously true, it, it's the worst country in the world, you know, the, the worst human right, there's a serious abuse of human right in North Korea, and people should admit that, but uh, for some ideological reason, people mm-hmm. try to try not to believe that, but it's very limited amount of people, I think. Most people know that it's serious in North Korea, you know, that human right issues is so serious, but nothing has changed, and there's no way that we can change the North Korea. That's why people are becoming more indifferent to it. And um, reunification, People, mm. the, they say we should be reunified, but it's been 70 years so, yeah. and, and they feel it's like a foreigner. You know, working with the North Korean defectors and South Koreans, I've been working with both of them all together. I was, I was a member of the YouTube channel ah. called Benatv once. Now. Benna. Benna TV on a YouTube channel. Now they are all split uh. and they quit. But oh. there was a big fight, and uh. it's you know it's a big mess. And sometimes South Korean people think North Korean defectors. It's a sense of difference. It's mm-hmm. so big. It's like it's like more than foreigner. Yeah. Uh, and even my husband said mm. to me that, oh, when I introduced my North Korean friend. To him,
3: mm-hmm.
2: he is just, he is ordinary South Korean yeah. citizen and um, he doesn't feel comfortable mm. with, him, with them. He said uh, he even feels comfortable with the Japanese friend I have uh. or even the American friend because they share the same value, mm. the same circumstances, background, and similar, mm-hmm. you know, the value they have, but the North Koreans, they behave differently, yeah. they react sometimes differently when they are get excited or they went mad they react differently Mm. and they and he said he just feel uncomfortable with them Mm. and he doesn't want to he does he thinks he doesn't want to be a friend sometimes when you say
0: that they react differently when they become angry or excited are they more violent are they aggressive do they shout more
2: I yeah I saw some of that case situation and mm. but that was that was normal in North Korea mm-hmm. but, but so I I can understand but you know people who don't know well who, about North Korea and they get surprised yeah, yeah. oh. How how can they react like this? Mm. They shout or they get more excited sometimes. Mm-hmm. So North Korean defectors sometimes emphasize that South Korean people or uh, discri- discriminate yeah. against you know North Korean defectors. But I probably that's true. Yeah, some people discriminate. But I feel it's more than a discrimination. It's more than a simple discrimination. Mm. It's rather than discrimination. It's more a sense of difference, yeah. oh. and they are not comfortable with them because it's so different, you know, 70 years under the different regime. Uh, so so
0: I, h- how do you want South Koreans to react to the story of your uncle and, and his family and, and other defective stories? What, what's, what's the ideal reaction?
2: Um, it could be my story mm-hmm. all the time. I... In my case, uh, I always imagine yep. listening to their story. Mm. It could be my story
0: because, because your father could have moved there. Yeah, mm. my
2: parents was, you know, wanted to move to North Korea, and right. I could be, my cousin could be me. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. always thought about that and imagined that. And this kind of imagination is very important, I think. Um, yeah, it could be my story, and so the way we appeal should. Be somehow changed. I believe we always appeals to the justice of people, mm-hmm. sense of justice, yeah. or anger, yeah. uh, or expertise, and the 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 journalists and um, mm. the university professor all gathered, and you know they discuss more academic way, all the expertise, but the ordinary people. Don't find interest in that kind yeah. of story. So it should be more storytelling. Storytelling, yeah, through individual life story. Mm. Mm. I think all individual life story reflects the history, the regime, everything. So I think we should approach differently. We need a shift.
3: Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, story. Uh, certainly, I'm a, a big fan of storytelling, and that's what we try and do in this podcast here. Mm-hmm. We get people to to come on and yeah, and to tell. Uh, Stories, and that's uh, that is what makes humans different from animals, is that we tell stories, uh, Mm -hmm. narratives. Um, In in the case of what thinking about what people can do, uh, that's I guess that's a really difficult question because in relationships between country and country. The lives of individual peoples and families, they often become sacrificed, don't they? Whether yeah. it's whether it's a war, like we're seeing now in, in, in Ukraine with Russia, or whether it's in the case of uh, North Korea, like with your, your uncle and his family, that you might know where they are, even if they're still alive, but there's nothing you can do because yeah. the state-to-state relations are so bad. What What can we ordinary people do?
2: Not to forget. Maybe mm. it's... Myself, you know, I sometimes want to forget because nobody's interested in it and nothing has been done for them. You know, I somehow feel guilty of Mm. not keeping my words. I told them, I promised them that I would would come back soon, but I forgot and I was married to this South Korean man Mm -hmm. and I've been living happily and um, it hurts me. Yeah. So sometimes I just want to forget yeah. everything about them. But remembering them yeah. is the only thing that I can do now. Mm. And tell, telling my story to people, you know. And its it's been so sad for me to have two grandmother, for example, yeah. who believes the different Korea. Yeah. You know, my grandmother in Mother's Side, she has a portrait at her room, house, you know, because...
0: A portrait of Kim Il-sung. Yes, ah. and
2: she even bowed mm. to him.
0: Is she still alive now?
2: No, ah. uh, because she had her son sent to North Korea. Yeah. So she thought showing loyalty mm-hmm. would be the insurance to protect her son in North Korea. Yeah. You know.
0: When did she die?
2: Uh, she died when I was in college, but she never knew that she was in prison.
0: Uh, she never knew what happened yeah either. we didn't mm-hmm. tell her mm-hmm. because ah, um, so you knew but you didn't tell her mm-hmm. right
2: mm-hmm. and she was of course from southern part of you know yep. uh, South Korea she was from seven more than 70 uh, ninety seven percent of Chinese Koreans mm-hmm. are originated from southern part of Korean yep. Peninsula and yep. she's from the, the Chung do uh, South Korea, when she was 19 mm. during the Japan's occupation, she moved to Japan. But she never, ever uh, returned to South Korea wow. and met her parents again because uh, her husband was pro-North Korea right. uh, supporter. Yep. And she even sent her son, yep. th- the youngest son, to North Korea. So she tried to trust North Korea, mm. as a fatherland. Yep. And that was so sad. And, you know, my grandmother on father's side, yes, she hated North Korea so badly. Mm. And um, as I told you before, uh, she once returned to Busan yes. after the World War II uh, in 1945 yep. with right. my father. And she endured for eight years mm. selling kimchi. Wow. And uh, she's so... Experienced the Korean War, yep. and so decided to return to Japan. You know that go back to Japan yeah. on the, the wooden boat. She said wow. the, the, as a uh, illegal illegal oh, immigrant. Yeah, the illegal. Ill- wow. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, the, I I saw some statistics that mm-hmm. the, the I called this uh, the U-turn group. U-turn group, the, the Zainichi, uh, the, uh, more than thirty. To 50% of Zainichi <laughs> residents in Japan, they are a group uh-huh. uh, of the returnees, uh-huh. the U-turn group. Once they returned to Korea yep, after the war, well, but the Korea was a mess, mm. and uh, there was a Korean war, yep. so they decided to go back to mm. Japan illegally, so illegal immigrants. Uh,
0: Wow! Yeah. So, if if Minjin Lee is listening, uh, if she wants to write another book, uh, she can <laughs> write your family story. Uh, but
2: Minjin Lee is now maybe busy. She's writing about Hagwon in Korea. Is that right? heard, oh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> have you have you have you met her? No, oh. I
2: wish I could someday. Yeah. And I want to thank you, her,
0: for writing. Well, that if, she, if she does hear this, or if her agent hears this, you <laughs> can send an email to org and we'll put you in touch. Well, I want to thank you for for telling. The story of your uncle and his. Ha- what, what is his name? We should. What What was your uncle's name?
3: To
2: Sok Gun To do, Mister To Ah, he was D-O. a, a Doshi, yeah. Toshi, Yeah Chung Chungcheongdo do Shi
0: and his wife. Do you remember her name?
2: Ah,
0: Yi e Yi sun Yes. And the three children, uh, who we don't know whether they're alive or dead. You assume that they're probably dead. You said,
2: yes, mm. because. All the North Korean defectors told me that, you know, there's no hope Mm. of, you know, being alive after, you know, such a long time. No.
0: Yeah. Is there anything you want to add before we uh, wrap up?
2: I just thank you for listening to my story. I don't know whether my story would be helpful for anybody, but, you know, meeting the people like you and all the listeners of NK News, it's encouraging and it reminds me of my families there mm. and uh, their empty, sad eyes that mm. I saw lastly and um, the importance of human rights issues in North Korea mm. that I w- sometimes wanted to forget, but I shouldn't. It, it reminds me that kind of the mission that mm. I have. Um, so I thank you for listening to my story. And uh, I hope you would maybe pray for my families in North Korea and the people of North Korea. Yeah, I thank you.
0: No, thank you very much, Park young for coming here. And, and uh, I think it's, it's an important story. And as you say, really, what we ordinary people can do who don't have the power to change government policy is, is what we can do is to remember the lives and the, the names of the people uh, who have suffered, and to tell their stories because they can't tell them themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So thanks once more for, for coming on the show, and thanks also to uh, my colleague Ifang Bremer for uh, introducing us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you uh, uh, enjoyed, or rather, well, it seems like the wrong word to use. If you found today's podcast uh, story to be as moving and as interesting as I did, I hope that you will share it with as many people as possible so that more people can, uh, can listen to it and can learn about um, some of the uh, the sad uh, realities of uh, lives of people who voluntarily moved from Japan to North Korea during the uh, Paradise on Earth campaign. Uh, That's where we'll end today's podcast, Uh, but not before reminding you, if you already have an NK News account, and if you're a think tank, business, or academic institution, take a look at NK Pro. Our NK Pro platform offers unparalleled services specifically catering to the needs of professionals who monitor developments on the Korean Peninsula. You can inquire about access and a free trial membership by writing an email to membership at nknews.org today. Our thanks, as always, go to Arius Dare and Brian Betts for facilitating this podcast, and to our post-recording producer genius, Gabby Magnuson, who cuts out all the extraneous noises, awkward silences, bodily functions, etc. Thanks, and listening again next time.